This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. So what's in store for Vancouver real estate this fall? I'm Martin Strong, and in a moment we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. We'll get his take on things that's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news from the past week. And you see this all the time on the internet. Products being advertised with their prices slashed. You see the regular price with a red line through it and the actual price, which is way cheaper. Canadian furniture company, the Dufresne Group, will now have to pay a $3.25 million fine for doing just that. The Competition Bureau says its investigation found that Dufresne, which operates Dufresne Furniture and Appliances, and some Ashley Home stores offered certain products at inflated prices and then advertised them at big discounts, which gave people the impression that people would have to buy now or miss out on these great deals. Dufresne has also agreed to pay 100 grand to go toward the Competition Bureau's costs. It hasn't been a great few years for commercial real estate. A lot of office space here in the Lower Mainland and across the country is sitting empty as more and more people work from home. As well, the price of commercial real estate has been falling pretty substantially this past year. And one architectural expert has an idea. He says turning all that office space into apartments that people could live in would go a long way in helping Canada's housing crisis. Toronto architect Stephen Painter says 25 to 30 percent of empty offices meet the criteria to be transformed into homes. But for various reasons, only about 7 percent are probably going to be converted. He and a lot of developers want governments to start start offering home some incentives to start uh, redeveloping that office space into homes. And how bad is retail crime getting? Well, in the U.S., Target is closing nine of its stores, saying that theft and organized retail crime has gotten so bad that it's threatening the safety of not only the people who work in the stores, but also the people who shop there. One of the stores is in New York City's East Harlem neighborhood. Three are in the San Francisco Bay Area, and three are in Portland, Oregon, two in Seattle. The CEO of Target said last month that violent incidents against workers at Target stores increased 120% in the first five months of this year over last year's level. Great news if you're a fan of late night TV. Since the writers came to a deal which would end their strike, the late night talk shows are back after being dark for five months. Real Time with Bill Maher did an all new show last night. And The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Jimmy Kimmel, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, all plan to be back on the air Monday night. And last week, Tonight with John Oliver is set to go tomorrow night. And while all the writers are back, Hollywood actors are still on strike after voting to expand their walkout with some new pressure on video game makers. The actors want Hollywood studios to make a deal with the performers who provide voiceovers and stunts for video games. And after 18 seasons, Chorus Entertainment is pulling the plug on ET Canada Entertainment Tonight. The company is blaming the cost of producing a daily show in what it calls a very challenging advertising environment. 
The last show of Entertainment Tonight Canada, ET Canada, is expected to air early next month. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate. What are we going to see this fall as the reality of higher interest rates sets in? We'll hear from John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And as we move into the fall real estate season, there are a lot of questions about what's in store. Uh, Things seem to be slowing down right across the country, and especially here, British Columbia saw the largest decline with sales in August from July, falling 12% in the Fraser Valley, about 11% in Victoria, and nearly 9% in Vancouver. But that doesn't tell the whole story. That stat is for sales. Prices are still relatively solid, and importantly, inventory is still very low. There's just not enough stuff to buy, and that's driving the prices. But will that hold? And what does that mean for you? If you're in the market, maybe you're downsizing, maybe you're upsizing, maybe you're trying to find your first home. And with us now to help us with that question is our man on the ground in the trenches in the Vancouver real estate market in all the different areas of the lower mainland, our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty. You, of course, know him as Johnny Smartpoint. His website, of course, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com. And John Carlson is with us. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing great again. Good afternoon. Hope everything's well with you and family. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and it's it's getting busy. I, I can tell by your website, if people go to, to johnnysmartpoint.com, by the way, it's J-O-H-N-N-Y smartpoint.com. If people go to your website, there's lots of new listings. It seems like, uh, uh, you know, it's the fall season and I guess that's par for the course. Things are really picking up. Yeah. And, and again, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. September comes around, summer's over, kids go back to school. And, you know, life goes on and real estate, as we know, in greater Vancouver, the Fraser Valley tends to be a year round contact sport, if you will. And um, and so, yeah, it's good to be busy. Um, I do definitely have time uh, for any of the listeners there who might want to contact me about selling or buying a property. Um, but if you look at my website, I don't know, do you want to start there, Martin, and, and yeah. talk a little bit about what's happening? Um, yeah. Like, what, what are you seeing out there? Well, you know. I read a, I, you know, I read a lot of reports from real estate boards and banks and institutions about, you know, the market specifically local here to, to Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley type area. And, uh, you know, I read a headline that I thought really kind of summarized things nicely, nothing groundbreaking, but it, it simply said that the real estate market locally is returning to a more to more typical buyer and seller activity. And I thought, you know, that's kind of interesting because Throughout the day, uh, the days and, and my discussions with other agents who call me to, to arrange viewings of my listings or maybe ask me how my listings are going because they might be doing evaluations in a neighborhood or ask me about sales that I've had previously. I get a lot of these calls. And of course, I make these calls as well to other agents because we got to we got to keep, uh, you know, keep our tools sharp and that sort of thing in terms of what's going on in the neighborhoods we're working in. But, you know, when I get a call, you know, yesterday from a, from a good friend of mine in, in the business and we had a nice discussion, we both been in 20 plus years and and we were mentioning you know it's it's interesting now that a lot of these um i don't know the the tools or the techniques or the the strategies the 
the plans, the general outlook that that hasn't really been in much, a whole lot of use in the last five or six or seven or even eight years are coming back. Uh, for instance, you know, the subject to sale offers and and uh, you know having a, a buyer who wants to buy a home but they haven't sold yet and and they're afraid to maybe sell first and and they have the time they don't have to anymore so the pressures have really changed and the leverage situations have changed and gone back to what i would call a little bit more of a traditional role and um you know buyers i think are you know people ask me you know what's coming in the market what's been happening in the market on a day-to-day basis what i'm seeing is as you mentioned prices have changed a little bit in some segments and I think that's probably likely to continue in, on a, in a gentle way. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, you know, it's the, the attitude. Uh, you know, this isn't all just a numbers game where you look at a, a spreadsheet and you make a decision on what you're going to do. There's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of, uh, you know, personal feelings that go in, into things. And and buyers, I think now, you know, when I'm out now with, with my clients who have sold their home and we're looking to buy, we're recognizing that we don't have to be you know, the way things were a year ago, you don't have to stumble across a listing and then throw everything you have at it, hoping you win. Even though there's not a whole lot of inventory on the market, if you look at the market statistically, Martin, we're seeing time on the market stats have changed, whereas the average house in a certain price range might have sold in seven to 10 days a year and a half ago. That's doubled and tripled now. And it's still not a long, long time on the market, but we're again, getting into what I would call a more traditional market where a seller can enter the market and sellers can ask whatever they want. But if you're not attractive in terms of what you offer to the market and the price point you're at and how you promote the property, chances are you're not going to get a whole lot of people, you know, rushing to your door. So buyers are more careful. They have limited resources given the interest rates going up. They know that they have a little bit more time and leverage in the negotiating process. And we're starting to see that play out. So Again, right back to to go full circle here. I think we're seeing a return to more typical buyer activity, which includes things like subject to sale offers, uh, negotiating uh, harder and taking time to, you know, make decisions where that wasn't as possible before. Yeah. And that's that's a healthy thing, because uh, it seemed like, you know, a few years ago when everybody was competing for that one property and you you weren't even really able to get a for example a home inspection because you know the it was so competitive that people were foregoing the home inspection but now they can do that which i think is 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 much healthier would you would you say that's true oh it's it's much healthier and when when you're working with a buyer for instance and you know if there's a lot of pressure there sometimes it's it's so much nicer to be able you know, to make sure all the bases are covered and to take your time and, and, and do things like home inspections. So, so that's great. And, and, you know, one thing that, you know, I think anecdotally, uh, because I'm always working with scenarios out in the, in the real estate world and, and through those scenarios and experiences, I'm, I'm learning and picking up and, you know, being enlightened in terms of what people are thinking. And, and just one that's very simple. I want to congratulate uh, one of my clients, uh, John, uh, and he has a, a condo in, in Maple Ridge. And um, we just, got that one sold. And there's an interesting little story, I think, behind this one, because this was an estate sale. And so it was, you know, it was going to sell. It wasn't a case of, are we selling it or not? And and John put some effort in it to freshen it up, which was wonderful. And and the, the point is, when we looked at the market and we talked about what was happening out there, obviously, it was important to get top dollar for the home. 
but there were there had been a couple of sales in the little bit warmer time in the market that had been fairly positive. But then there was another unit that was about $20,000 higher than that. And, uh, you know, without saying too much, our, our guess was that maybe, you know, those sellers had a different idea what the market was doing. Maybe they didn't have a lot of motivation, but we recognized that that one had been on a little while. And so why didn't we just position a little bit under it and use that as leverage to make us look a little better, which is what we did. And in the end, actually, we ended up, uh, it was kind of funny, Martin, we got a, we got a call from, I got a call from an agent who mentioned that, Hey, you know, we were trying to put a deal together on that other unit in the building, which, which has some advantages, but so do we, and we just weren't getting anywhere. So by the time they came to us, they'd already been, you know, through the process and been tendered up a little bit. And we were able to put together pretty much a full price offer that I think is the highest sale price in the building for a one bedroom unit. So you know, sometimes you look at the the landscape that you're operating in and you pick up cues from that and you come up with the strategy based on what you see. And, and, and in this particular case, I think it shows that, you know, the days of throwing numbers on properties and having people offer you more money than that are over and that you have to offer a value proposition that someone finds attractive in order to, to get anywhere in this market. And again, that's a more typical market. So I want to congratulate John. There's just a quick story how pricing is important and how you can sometimes use your competition uh, to help you achieve a number if you think that maybe they're not going to achieve theirs. Right. And it's an example of how things can be a little more complicated in different types of markets. And especially now, because not only it's a it's a pricing thing, but it's also all these, you know, different subjects. And you need someone who understands every single type of market. Um, you know, like two years ago, uh, it seemed pretty straightforward to sell a property, but not so much anymore. And that's why uh, somebody like John Carlson uh, is someone you should call if you're thinking of selling a property. So uh, go to johnnysmartpoint.com. That's the website. Uh, you can also give him a call. Uh, he's a realtor. He loves getting phone calls. 604-612-0080. And if you want to send John an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com is the email address. And uh, John is out and uh, ready to ready to talk to you. And uh, I, I think uh, what I said there is is very true, how complicated things are. And uh, things like, um, you know, s- deals that are subject to certain conditions. And I think it, it, it gets pretty complicated, doesn't it? Well, complicated uh, a little bit sometimes. Um, depends on what your experience level is with it. And again, every market has its challenges. If you want to talk complicated, uh, I'm, uh, you know, had a, again, I had a, a conversation with another agent who's been in a long time and we were discussing just yesterday how I wouldn't be surprised if it went within the next year or so we start to look at, um, you know, sellers buying down mortgages again, which is something we haven't seen in at least 10 years or more. So who knows what, what might be coming, but whatever it is, when you have an important decision to make and an important financial decision, let's face it, real estate is usually the biggest you know, investment that most typical uh, residents of Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley will make in their lifetime. So to have somebody on uh, on their side who understands the process and can help guide it is is invaluable. And and back when the market was crazy, uh, you know, and it was easy to sell, the trick was, okay, well, easy to sell, but how do we get maximum dollar and make sure we coordinate this with a purchase so my clients aren't left out on the street? That was the skill level then. Now, 
I think it's giving advice to people and reading the market well enough to be able to maximize a sale without, uh, you know, with, without sacrificing, you know, any money or, or, um, or selling yourself short. Uh, so again, different skill sets go into everything. And I think that, you know, someone who's been around in the business a long time and, and not just been around, but actively been working and selling and being successful and has a good track record over the number of years is probably going to be a good ally for you if you're selling a property in the near future. Right. And, and really quickly, you, you mentioned sellers buying down mortgages. I'm not sure I understood what that meant. Ah, see, see how it just goes to show nobody's even thinking <laughs> about it anymore. It's funny because when I started back, well, almost 27 years ago, uh, there were some interest rate, you know, ups and downs in those days as well. And, and basically, Martin, it's this, if a market gets very competitive where there's a, let's say our, our listing inventory were to really increase over the next year or so, where there was far more homes on the market than there were prospective buyers in the segments. Sometimes the reason for that, if interest rates are high, is that buyers just can't afford to pay more. So a seller will sometimes, to get a sale, they will sell at a higher price. But what they'll say is, hey, do you know what I'm going to do? Your interest rate guarantee, and you've got a mortgage at this amount, uh, is, and, you, and your interest rate is at a certain level. What I can do is I can buy that interest rate down. In other words, I could put fifty dollars or $100,000 down into that mortgage, and your payment suddenly becomes 2% less than it was. And you can now afford to buy my house because I am taking some of the sale proceeds and I'm reinvesting them into your mortgage to help you qualify. So we're not seeing that yet, but these are processes that have happened in the past and we might see come again. Depends on, you know, really how everything plays out in the next couple, uh, 12 months or so. Interesting. John Carlson is our guest. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. You can also give John a call, 604 612 or send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. It's easy to remember. And we're going to talk more real estate, including a story about uh, a house in West Van that got multiple bids, but it wasn't the highest bid that won the house. Sometimes it's all about emotion, and we'll find out more about that when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and this is Vancouver Consumer. And uh, on Vancouver Consumer this afternoon, we're talking to John Carlson, our friend, Johnny Smartpoint. You can go to his website at johnnysmartpoint.com. You can also give him a call, 604-612-0080. If you are thinking of uh, selling a home, uh, big or small, if you're thinking of upsizing, downsizing, uh, you should give John a call. And uh, he has uh, been in this business for a very long time, and he has worked every part of this market. Uh, he's not just based in one part of the lower mainland. He knows all the different areas and he's seen it all over the years. And one thing, John, I was reading about uh, last week was a house in West Vancouver. It eventually sold for about $2 million, uh, just, just slightly over $2 million. And it was sold by someone who had owned the house for a really long time. And it was one of those cases where they got multiple bids, but it wasn't the bid that was the highest that won the house. It was a bid from a family, and I guess they appealed to this person's emotions, and he decided to forego the extra cash 
and sell to this family. And, you know, that's, it's an interesting story. You hear sort of anecdotally these stories. How common is that in your experience? You know, it's probably more common than, than people might think. Um, when it, you know, I don't know anything about the particular uh, transaction you're talking about, but generally speaking, uh, you know, this business, as, as we mentioned in the previous segment, uh, you know, there's a, there's a heavy emotional component. And, and it's interesting because that you mentioned it. just two days ago, I got a, an email from a listener to this show. And she asked me a question. She says, John, you know, I'm in my house. I've been here since the it's 1940s house, been there many, many, many years. And, uh, you know, I don't want it to be torn down when I sell. She has an emotional connection to the house. And so she just asked me, even though she's not looking to sell right away, it might be next year you know, what I thought about her property and the development potential and could someone save the house? And that would mean a lot to her. And I, you know, it reminds me that, you know, to answer your question, you know, most times in a real estate transaction, money's the big thing and timing's the next big thing. And then a bunch of details kind of fall into order after that. But when I recall back to the times of the heated market, when I was getting five, 10, 15 offers, uh, you know, on, on most of the listings that we'd have, I do remember that, you know, we would receive cover letters and, you know, these, this was, and it's nothing wrong with this. In fact, it's fantastic. I did the same thing with my client, my buyer clients. You would prepare a letter with your offer, <clears throat> usually sometimes even with pictures of the family and it might be a young <laughs> family with a couple of kids sitting, you know, and, and these letters were, were really intended to say, Hey, seller, we're real people. We're not flippers. We're not investors. We're not, you know, we're local people here looking to bring our kids into this neighborhood and, and, and live and establish ourselves and we'll treat your home really well. And, and, and in fact, you know, I kind of chuckle because I can remember a few times when the letters, maybe they were a little bit overdone, Martin, um, <laughs> where, you know, they would come from the perspective of the four-year-old son or daughter. And, oh, my <laughs> mommy and daddy love this house. And we just, and I, I can see myself playing in the sand here. And I will tell you, Every seller is different and every situation is different, but sometimes these letters can can really make a difference. And I even remember one time I'm chuckling to myself now when we had one that was so uh, over the top in terms of, you know, emotional. I just stopped reading it after the first paragraph. I handed it to my clients and I said, here, you read it if you want, but at least one of us has to remain really cold and impartial here because this is a business deal. So <laughs> I'm not entirely surprised to hear a family, especially in that area you mentioned, might really care more about who has the house than the money. Um, so again, just know that any transaction of the magnitude of a real estate sale, uh, especially when an owner, a family may have been raised in the home and they know the neighbors intimately, uh, you know, it, it sometimes comes down to more than just the numbers on page one of the contract. There's a lot more to it. And I think a good agent, uh, whether you're representing your buyer or your seller, uh, knows how to draft a proper agreement or a contract or a proposal and knows how to negotiate a lot of those terms. But I think, you know, some of the finer points, like anything in life, Martin, come down to the interpersonal skills and the experience level. And so, you know, I want to congratulate whoever those buyers were that got the right deal on the home and I hope they enjoy it. And I, I can imagine that the sellers are also very happy with their decision. Yeah, how can you say no to a four-year-old? <laughs> That's what I said. I had to get rid of that paper. I, I can't have that cloud in my judgment, but yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But I, like you say, it's not always you know that big a, a difference. It, it sometimes it's it's little things. Maybe it's not a multiple offer situation. Sometimes it's just about 
um, just interpersonal skills. And, and when I talk to your clients, which we do quite often on this show, we have your clients on talking about their experience with you. Uh, they often say things like um, that you become kind of a member of the family when you're selling the house, that you become, it's, it's definitely a team effort. And it, it is all about the interpersonal skills. And that's what you get with John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint. Uh, you can go to johnnysmartpoint.com uh, and see what's going on. Uh, lots of new listings on the website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, yeah. So you've got some interesting things going on. Oh, maybe I'll talk about that for a minute. But just to recap what you're saying about the interpersonal and the, the touchy-feelies and emotional, all that's part of it. But the trend I'm seeing right now is the opposite. It's getting a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, cold and, and just, just the facts, ma'am. And, and here's here's why. Buyers are coming with offers saying, the bank won't lend me any more money. It's not what you want, but here's my offer. What do you think? So there's a little bit more of that trend going on. And again, every situation is different. But let me get to my website because... Uh, I want to I want to bring up a couple of listings. First of all, mm -hmm. uh, two weeks ago I mentioned my listing on Ferguson Avenue, three hour. Uh, I'm sorry, three acres uh, in the Thornhill area. Absolutely private. It's got the Gothic arch A-frame style. That one now has an offer subject to sale, and that means you know if we get another offer that we want to entertain, we can give 48 hours notice to the previous people, and either they remove all their conditions or they're gone, and now we can deal with the new offer. So even though it has a subject to sale offer, that one's still available. Ultimate privacy, small house, amazing. Take a look if, if you're interested in that one. I also brought up my listing on 107 Avenue two weeks ago when I was on the program. And this is in the Guildford area. Fantastic location. And the house needs a complete renovation. Or like the house next door, you might tear it down and build a really nice high-end home. This is a big 7,900 square foot lot. This one's got an offer accepted, but it's subject to financing. And nowadays you never know. So I just want to put a plug in for that one. It's listed at $1,349,900. Um, building lot in that area, it's really hard to beat. Now, here's something, Martin, that I'd like to mention. This is a brand new listing, and I think this one's going to get some really good action. This is in Pitt Meadows, and it's a half duplex, and it's built in 2014, so very modern. And the neat thing about this one is it's a two-story plan, meaning you've got your kitchen on the main floor, your living room on the main floor. It's all ground level, so if you don't like stairs and you just like to pull up into a big double garage park your car or come up to the front door and have a flush level entry front and backyard. That's what you've got. And it's got three big bedrooms upstairs. It's over 2000 square feet. And it also has a detached garage in the backyard. Now, not one that you can drive a car to, but uh, can be used as a gym storage workshop area. And this one, the list price is 1,169,900. Uh, it's tenanted. So it's a little bit hard to get in, but give me a call on that one. It's worth a look. And I've got another new listing just hit the market on 67A in, in West Newton. And this is a house on a big lot with a panhandle. It's a three-bedroom split level. It's listed at $1,299,000. And that's a new one as well. We're not doing open houses at this time, but all these listings can be shown by appointment. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as you've heard now, I'm down to only a couple of listings that don't have offers on them. So I'm hoping some of the listeners out there who are on the fence about giving me a call will uh, will do that this week. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to see your home on the website, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, just go to the website or uh, give John a call, 604-612-0080. Uh, you can also send John an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, yeah, that 
these properties, they all, it's funny how they all have their certain sort of uh, features that, that might appeal to different people. And I'm looking at the one on Ferguson Avenue and Maple Ridge, such an interesting property. You really have to go to the website, johnnysmartpoint.com, look some of the photos because that's a, a really interesting structure and for the right person. And uh, that's, it's interesting. Really beautiful. Absolutely. You want to show it off. That's a good one, actually, to, to demonstrate the, uh, the the skills of my marketing team in terms of photos and tours and floor plans. And it, that listing looks great in person. It looks great online. Oh, and before I forget, I want to congratulate uh, Kathy and Shane, 201B. I want to congratulate Kathy and Shane because uh, we have a sale on their home. And this one was one that was just felt so good to get done because you know, great people that I, I had never met prior to entering into the listing agreement. We worked together. We did open houses. We had this whole, we thought we had this house sold twice, but given the nature of the market and what's going on, we had financing fall apart. I mean, we we're talking about accepted offer, negotiating, inspections done, get all the way to the subject removal date. And the agent calls me at night and says, oh, and by the way, uh, we didn't get the financing. So we had to pretty much sell it three times, but beautiful house it's done now and to work with shane and kathy and clients you know like this is is just my pleasure and now we're out looking for a house now we've got a long completion date we're in the driver's seat we're out looking at properties and um, i'm just excited to be working with them so i want to put out a shout to them yeah nice congratulations and the whole subject to sale subject to financing uh which which one seems to be the most problematic? I guess subject to sale, meaning you have to sell your property before you can buy this one. I guess in this market, it's, you know, with not a lot of inventory, it's probably uh, a little bit easier than subject to finance. Well, it's not bad. And when I get an offer subject to sale of another property, I do a little evaluation on that property because, you know, sometimes you get an offer subject to sale and the house is already on the market. And I look at it and I go, wait a minute, this thing's been on the market 45 days. It's listed $150,000 over the competition. I say to my sellers, do we really want to tie our property to this sale? Now, if it's another, if it's a property that has a good chance of selling and maybe it's not on the market, but the agent gives me the evaluation and says, here's what it's going to come on in the market. And, uh, and it looks like it's reasonable. I think a subject to sale offer in this market, depending if you know if you don't have other urgently pressing offers coming your way, is not a bad thing because as long as you have the out with the subject to sale offer, there would be the you know this offer is subject to the sale of the buyer's property at this address within a certain period of time. As long as you have the part that says, however, the seller may, upon receipt of another acceptable offer, deliver written notice to the buyer's agent requiring the buyer to remove all conditions from the contract within 48 hours, let's say. So if you do get another offer, you're still in the game. You can give people you know, uh, a chance to remove their conditions. If they don't, you've got a new offer to deal with. And sometimes a subject to sale offer uh, you know, that you've got in place, if a new offer comes, that's a little bit of leverage to use against the other guys as well. So I, I've got no problem in the right situation recommending to certain sellers in certain situations to look at subject to sale offers and to entertain them, but you definitely need an out in case something more certain comes along. That's why you need someone who knows what's going on and has been in this business for a long time. And that's John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. 604-612-0080 is the phone number. And John at JohnnySmartPoint.com uh, is the uh, email address. Pretty easy to remember. Well, thanks, John. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. 
Can't wait. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Right on. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, speaking of real estate, Elton John is selling his apartment in Atlanta. And you might be surprised by what it's going for. I've got that story when we return right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And how would you like to live in Elton John's apartment? Elton has a condo in Atlanta that he's used as his American home for the past 30 years, and he's just put it up for sale. It's pure luxury, and it could be yours for five million bucks, which doesn't sound all that bad, considering it's Elton John's house. Uh, When you think about it, uh, that's just the price of about three regular houses here in Vancouver. But you get a lot for the five million. Elton originally bought a simple duplex in this high-rise building on the 36th floor in Atlanta's Buckhead District for 925,000 bucks. That was 30 years ago. But over the years, he bought five other neighboring apartments and created just one massive two-story, 13,000-square-foot apartment that features stunning wood walls, floor-to-ceiling windows, and 360 degrees of city skyline views. The master bedroom is a stunner. I mean, it's Elton John's bedroom. Uh, To give you an idea of how luxurious the master bedroom is, it's got a massive walk-in closet, and this closet has its own balcony. As well, there's an in-home fitness studio, a spa massage room, and three spacious guest suites, nine parking spaces, and five dedicated wine storage units completing the home. So it sounds like a pretty good deal for five million bucks, but keep in mind, that the strata fees are pretty steep, 7,851 US dollars a month, 7,800 bucks a month for your strata fees. Uh, That area of Atlanta is pretty ritzy. It's known as the Beverly Hills of the South. It's the second wealthiest zip code in the South, losing out only to Palm Beach, Florida. And if you bought the apartment, your neighbors would include Sasha Baron Cohen. He's the guy who played Borat. Also Tyler Perry, and Young Thug. And if $5 million seems too cheap, there's always the home in Malibu that's owned by Beyonce and Jay-Z. It's currently not for sale, but they paid $200 million for that place. And it leads the pack for expensive celebrity homes. Also in the top 10, just south of here in Washington state is Microsoft founder, Bill Gates. His home on Lake Washington near Seattle is worth a reported $130 million. It has over 66,000 square feet and 24 bathrooms. Gates was actually able to keep the house after his divorce from his wife, Melinda, who reportedly said uh, she didn't want it. She wanted to live in something smaller. Uh, And somebody who you would expect to have an expensive home is Taylor Swift. She can certainly afford anything she wants now. But in 2015, she bought a mansion in Beverly Hills that she still lives in when she's not touring the world. That home was built in the 30s and was previously owned by Hollywood film mogul Samuel L. Goldwyn. He is kind of a legend in Hollywood. In fact, his name Goldwyn is the G in MGM. And Taylor Swift bought the place eight years ago for $25 million. They now figure it's worth about $32 million, And she says she plans to fully renovate it to its former glory. She's the first person to own this 11,000-square-foot home outside the Goldwyn family. It has a sweeping staircase in the foyer and, of course, a big 
luxurious movie screening room. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. And coming up, first it was Netflix. Now Disney Plus is cracking down on password sharing. I've got that story along with all the other consumer news of the week when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.